0: Welcome to the Prison Steve podcast. Though I didn't do 20 or 30 years locked up, and I never spent time in the hole or had to make a shiv, after six years in the Texas penal system, I've still seen some stuff. I've lived through many of lockdowns, endured authoritarian regimes, seen riots, and learned how to navigate deeply entrenched racial issues. And as the world around us snowballs further into insanity, I can't help but think how like prison this all is. Yet it wasn't all doom and gloom. I made some incredible friendships along the way, learned things about myself I don't know if I ever would have uncovered, and I learned that Prison Mike was right. They do serve gruel, and there are Dementors, though they aren't the worst part of it. Join me as I share stories from the inside, and dive into how my time locked up has changed, altered, and shaped my views, now that I am on the outside. Greetings, my friends. Thank you so much for joining me for Episode 6 of the Prison Steve Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Mathis, also known as Prison Steve. As we well know by now, that the whole reason for the name of this podcast is because my name's Steve and I went to prison. And I'm not more creative than that. I am very creative. But I was inspired by The Office, Steve Carell's Prison Mike, and hence Prison Steve and so i also go by scuba was another prison nickname that was given to me uh i was also known as matt because for some reason the brothers preferred just to call me matt and um yeah there's a lot of other things that are going to be revealed later on such as uh the fact that i was a winner of two prison dance offs which i have not really talked much about and uh close confidant a gay bob and we'll get into gay bob one day but That's not what we're here for today. Today we are here for the very exciting subject of food or the real power player in prison. This is something that I've made, I've kind of alluded to in some of my other podcasts is something I've been wanting to cover and I just felt it was time. And uh, it was either this or we're going to talk about race. And for the race part, if it's possible, I would like to try to get a co-host and just because it's a deeper topic it would be somebody that I would like to be able to kind of riff with on the subject and let them kind of ask questions on about my experiences with race in prison and how it's kind of affected my views now coming out of it but um yeah it's definitely back in the headlines as a major topic it looked like it was kind of like fading out and then there was another shooting and then more protests and riots and so we're going to get to that, but for right now, um, the one thing I did want to be able to cover and talk on is a subject that I keep referring to as something that I need to be doing, which is I wanted to talk to you guys about a subject that a lot of, like I've seen some of the prison episodes and, and jail episodes and people that have been, and they'll allude to it, but they won't actually talk about how absolutely controlling food is in the prison system and how important it is and what type of role it plays and why it plays such a role. And so I really wanted to dive into that today uh, because it was something that I really saw. Now, before we get into that, I just want to say to every single one of you, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to these podcasts. Those of you that have taken the time to leave messages, comments, uh, whether it's an email or drop something to me through Facebook or a lot of this is just organic traffic of passing the word on to somebody you know that maybe knows me or would be interested and so i haven't done any type of promotion as to like trying to get this out to anybody else so a lot of this is just for people that know me Uh, eventually though i am going to want to get it out to a broader market i'm just using this as kind of like a test run to kind of get my sea legs or podcast legs under me Now, the way that I'm going to be able to get that through is going to be through reviews and ratings. So for any of you guys that have already done that, I want to say thank you so much. It really helps out a lot. If you do listen to this and you will take the time to do it, I really would appreciate it if you just go through uh, whatever podcast platform you're listening to, whether it's um, Spotify or Apple iTunes, or I'm sorry, Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, and you can... um, leave a review there. You can leave a, hopefully a five star. If you think that I've earned that and that uh, this podcast has uh, earned that right it, but you can also leave a review and just helps other people kind of like, what do you enjoy about it or what can you expect from it and that type of thing. So just move forward. Just thought I'd throw that plug out there. That really helps out a lot. And uh, one more thing I want to give a shout out to a long time close friend of our family, Close friend of mine, Sam Taylor, he just recently got married to the beautiful Catherine. And uh, me and my brother got to attend his wedding. And in 2020, when there's not a whole lot of positive to look back on, it's going to be a really bright spot being able to look back on his marriage and their wedding. And the fact that that blossomed, it's in the middle of a pandemic. It's like seeing a flower, this beautiful flower, Growing up in the middle of concrete and and just where there seems to be no life, life finds a way and love finds a way. And so anyway, don't want to get super uber um, over, I don't know, emotional about it or nothing like that. Just It was something really beautiful and awesome and I thought it deserved being mentioned. Now I know it's been a while since I've been able to join you guys for putting out these podcasts. And the reason for that is that... I have taken off a significant amount of time just to work on some of these passion projects of mine and to just, I guess, focus on my life as far as like uh, the jobs that I had before I was working, 60, 70, sometimes 80 hour work weeks. And all I was doing was just grinding, 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 but I didn't have really direction. And so when I got laid off in March, I was saying, you know, I can just jump right back into it and get right back to work and not miss a beat. Or I can use this as a chance that I had been really wanting to just take some time to reflect and, I don't know, just kind of get my bearings and directions. Now, did I know that I was going to be taken off uh, five months? No, I didn't. (laughs) And, um, but... Part of the things that developed in this process was the idea for the Prison City Podcast and some other things that I will uh, reveal later on. And so it's been really good, but at some point I got to go back to paying bills and all that type of stuff. And so um, I had to kind of get some side work that I could do. And so for the last few weeks, I've been just working out a schedule with some things that I'm doing and uh, yeah so now that i've got that kind of on lockdown and i've understand what i need to be doing uh i'm back in the game and we'll be putting these back out consistently at least once a week and um also i just got some new formats that i've been working on as far as like bringing other people into it and so i'm trying to make those arrangements as well so uh but we're back and sorry for the delay but without uh further ado Let's go ahead and jump into this by starting off with some lingo with Ringo. We got some gems for you, perfectly lined up with the subject matter for the day. So, the first word I have for you today is hot pot. Now, the hot pot is something that you would be familiar with, uh, especially if you've done a lot of traveling or you're from Europe or you're maybe northwest, northeast, and you heat up a lot of water. Uh, for tea or just you know it's just something that you do Uh, the hot pot is absolutely essential to everything that goes on cooking wise uh, in the prison system it's just a hot water heater that's all it is Um, in TDC it looks like a pitcher with the heating element on the bottom and it just heats it up it heats it up hot real hot but not boiling hot to do the real cooking you want it to be boiling so what you do is you would actually get in there rig it up to get past the uh, look I'm not a technical guy I didn't do this stuff but I would pay somebody to do it and they would get in there they would rig it up so that it would basically shoot past whatever the governor I'm using I'm making an idiot of myself but it brings it to a boil and so by doing that you know you're able to kind of really cook your food and, and do it proper. Now, if they catch you with a rigged hot pot, then they're gonna take it away. you lost twenty dollars, and you're gonna have to go buy another one for twenty bucks. That's the risk that you took. Now, the other side of that is before you ever get a hot pot, or if you don't want to play around with rigging your hot pot and you would you want something else to heat it up, you have these things called stingers. A stinger is basically uh, something that conducts the electricity from the wall socket into the water and so the electricity is going to shoot into the water and then heat it up and bring it to a boil and the way they're doing that is they're shaving down like aluminum cans and so it's like aluminum cans two little strips of metal and then some wires and again i paid somebody else to do it and it just goes to show you the resourcefulness of guys when they're locked up and you're like jeez if you could be doing this imagine what you could have been doing and never even had to come in here um, but hey to each their own so where there's a will there's a way so there's hot pot stingers and then the last thing is like it's a prison pizza and so don't confuse it with a prison pocket i'm not going to explain that right now but the prison pizza is basically ramen noodles that has been cooked in a bag and it's cooked with just enough water to where it absorbs the noodles absorb it and it blows up but not enough to where it's runny and so they put it in this bag they put the water in then they flatten it out and then they cover it up and they just let it heat itself up it rises up and then they cut the bag around it and then what you got is usually like a square piece that's your pizza they make it in all different sizes i've seen them as big as the table themselves and then i've also seen them where they're just like little individual hand sized little pizzas and then you cover that with whatever you're going to put usually it's chips and cheese and ranch and and there's always some type of meat pack that goes on there sometimes there's beans uh it's yeah (laughs) i never ate it i was never a big fan but the prison pizza is the way to go especially if you're doing any type of community meal the uh prison pizza is the way to go and the funny thing is like when they would make a pizza for a group of table everybody would kind of stand around and they had this way of standing where they would put like a foot on top of the seat and then a hand behind their back and then they're just sitting there and they're taking bits of the pizza that they're cutting out and they're eating it but they're all eating around the table standing up and conversating and it's almost like they're ready for something to go down But the thing is, there's only four seats around the table, and sometimes there's like six, eight, ten, twelve guys all eating from the same pizza. So, anyway, in the age of coronavirus, I'm sure the prison pizza is now much more individualized. But there you go. There's three words for you for your new prison dictionary. It's that much thicker. first locked up you're going to be put into a process of that by design of stripping you of your humanity it starts in jail and it's sad because in jail you're not guilty not everybody is guilty sometimes you have people that are convicted of things and they don't have the money or the means or the ability to pay for uh to to pay for uh, what do you call it, bail, um, to pay for a lawyer to help fight on their behalf. And sometimes, you know, it's they were never even given that option. Um, and there are people that have not done what they were accused of, and they're in jail, and they're going through this. And it's uh, it's sad that they get caught up with people like me that had done what they had done, wasn't trying to fight it, and was waiting to get sentenced basically and so but the whole thing it's a psychological breakdown the purpose is to strip you of your humanity and by stripping you of your humanity your humanity is the part of you that feels like i have rights i have control over my life and what they want you to know is that you've pretty much got no rights unless they give you rights and you have no control over your life You have only the control that they give you the first part of that comes when they strip away your freedom right that's obvious the second thing is your dignity so the dignity part is mainly happens when you're trans when you're stripping down and you're stripping out of whatever clothes you were locked up and came in and putting on their whatever their designated jumper or suit or whatever it is they have for you right uh you got your whites you got your greens your blues your stripes if you're dmx's world then it was pink which he was very upset about um but it's you're you're in that process they are going to strip you down and strip you down buck naked and then they're going to be like raise your hands over your head lift up your ball sack or you know if your female is different right and then they'll be like turn around squat down spread your cheeks cough remember the first time they told me to do that i was like you want me to what <laughs> like I didn't know I was like you want me to squat down buck naked spread my cheeks and cough and so I, it was I wasn't ready for that and just the fact that I had to do this in front of another human being was like I knew when I turned myself in I knew it was gonna be rough but I I just never imagined having to do that in front of another human being so again I didn't know anything at all when I turned myself in about prison jail any of that and so And then what happens is pretty much at any point, any time, if they tell you to come in, come out, or of your cell, or they tell you to stop in the hallway and strip down, you either have to comply or you're gonna get sent to their isolation hole, whatever it is they have for you. Or if they're feeling fun and in the mood, they're gonna taser or pepper spray you. So really quickly, you're just like, when they tell you to do it, you're just like, okay, fine. And so here you are in the hallway, you know, sometimes, and I saw it several times where they will just like, stop, what do you got on you? Strip down. And it could be a female guard. that could tell you to do that. Now, I don't know if they still allow that to happen, but when I was locked up, whether it didn't matter where I was at, I saw this where a female guard could tell you strip down. Um, I think later on in my time, they started cutting back on that, but in jail, it was just kind of like anything goes. And, um, so here you are stripping down Buck naked, doing the whole thing. Uh, not the whole coughing and thing. That's that was mainly an intake thing, but they would they would do that and there could be, you know, free world women that are working at the facility that are just walking right by and here are just letting your puffs hang out in the wind and your manchurian candidate is just blah blah blah. And I called it I call your balls puffs and I call man your your wing wing, your manchurian candidate, because it can have complete and total control of your life and you have no it just anyway i had my own reason for saying that but uh i'll get into that later anyway just there you are just completely exposed and all that stuff and you're just like i have no dignity you have complete control of my dignity so the first thing is freedom second thing is dignity the uh third thing um is let me just say bathroom and because what they'll do is i mean Sometimes you're in a place where they're like, you have to ask permission to go to the bathroom. When I was being transported from uh, Essex, New Jersey, that's where I was picked up. Um, after, after I came back from Europe, I was picked up by the U.S. Marshals in Essex, New Jersey. And so I had to get from Essex, New Jersey to San Antonio, Texas. Texas had to make that arrangement to do that. And I don't know where I got in my mind that it was going to be on a plane like uh conair but oh my god conair oh that would have been such a luxury anyway they had you in a dog kennel instead and you're being transported around and you're in the back of this dog kennel shackled hand to foot and then and then shackled to the other guy next to you and there's about 10 guys crammed in this small little back van on this hard metal bench and that's how you're spending 48 hours of your time well during that time at some point you're going to have to go to the bathroom and so you let the guard know hey I gotta go to the bathroom and the guard will be like, all right, we'll see what we can find. And then hopefully within the next two to three hours, they can find a place for you to go to the bathroom. So you've gotta find a way to hold it in till then. Um, and so then, uh, you know, the bathroom privileges is something that sometimes you have to ask permission for and all that type of stuff. Again, another way to control you. And then the last way is food. And they determine the food schedule. They determine how much food you're gonna get. So that's just another way that they're going to be able to hold that kind of control over you. Now, the whole point of this is controlling this by denying you something because it matters to you after a while. If you are comfortable, once you get comfortable with certain things, then they realize that they can't make you do anything or comply by taking those things away from you anymore. So at some point you're like, put me in the hole. I don't care. You know, I don't care if i'm isolated get me out of this drunk tank i don't care if you strip away my freedom anymore it's already gone then they know they can't hold that over you dignity the whole dignity thing can be kind of funny because after a while you can get to a place where you're just like stripping down and you don't even care and you show you don't care and they they realize that you don't care and then they realize oh we can't humiliate you into doing something to make you compliant i had we had this i had this one friend his name was tree And his name was Tree because he was tall. And I never, ever said that prisoners were clever with their nicknames. Just want you guys to know that. So, yeah, Tree. Uh, If you're tall, you're either Tree or Stretch. But anyway, Tree loved, loved strip downs. Loved it. And so when you come back from work, you're always having to get stripped down before you can go back. Make sure you're not bringing anything back. But strip downs can happen at any place at any time. And Tree would... At the drop of a hat, just be like boom, naked, right there in front of him. And he used to love to take a sock, put it over his manchurian candidate, and then he would just sit there and just start dancing. Just you know, just start doing the slow dance, and then it'd build up and it'd build up, and then all of a sudden he's just doing a full-on Beyonce or whatever, and he's just having a great old time with it. And all the guys are laughing and everything like that and the guards extremely uncomfortable every now and then he would do jumping jacks to say hey i don't got anything look and um so he was very proud with what god had given him and he let the guards know that every single time so the guards got to a point where if they didn't have to they avoided stripping tree down and that's how tree became one of the bigger contraband movers on the yard so very strategic very well done tree but again by showing that you don't have that control over me and taking that back it's one thing that, yes, they took it away from you, but once you show that, yeah, that doesn't really matter to me, then they can't really use that. The bathroom thing is sad because at some point, both guards and inmates realize I can go to the bathroom any player, anywhere, anytime I want to, and that includes you, officer. And so the officers can all tell stories about working certain places where feces and piss was thrown on them. And They realize that this can be used as a weapon. So they're not going to really hold that over you too much. But food, they can get you to be compliant because they can hold the power of food over you. They can make you, uh, they can make whole pods have to wait very, very last to go to chow. And if you wait very last to go to chow, especially if it's a good day, like, I don't know. Um, Trying to remember what the good meals were. Uh, Well, it wasn't meatloaf for sure. Uh, It it would have been like hamburgers, or it would have been enchilada day, or something like that, right? Something that everybody was kind of looking forward to. And if they wanted to, and your pod was acting up, they could say, "Hey, run our building last. We're running our pod last." And then, or they would run everybody in the building, but not run that pod until the very last. And so, if you're the last one going in, there's a chance that there's almost nothing left of whatever the good meal is. So, you could get pods to eventually be compliant because they don't want to have to get screwed out of food. And 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 again, you know, it's just another way of establishing control, saying, "Hey, we're in control. If you want, if you want this, you need to do what we want you to do." And that's how they're doing it. And the one thing that that's part of that de-stripping, that dehumanitizing is taking control of something that used to be yours by right, and now it's not. And so since you're dependent on somebody else to feed you and how much food you're going to get and all that type of stuff, they can, can, they can completely remind you we have control over you. My first day in Essex, I didn't, I didn't understand that. I didn't understand that when they handed us our meal and it was a soggy bologna sandwich and I was like, and two stale vanilla cookies, like the cheap Oreo kind that you can buy for 99 cents at the dollar store. And I remember I was just like, yeah, I'm not eating that. Right. Well, 13 hours later when they actually fed breakfast, I was like, okay, let me see what you got. Cause I was starving and uh, trapped in there with all those guys and, and that small junk tank and you're cold, you're miserable. And they bring around breakfast in a brown paper bag and they hand it, hand You got to go in line, go to the door and they're handing you your meal, whatever. Sometimes it's on a tray. Sometimes it's a brown paper bag. just depends. And, um, yeah. So when they handed me that bag and I opened it up, it was this peanut butter jelly sandwich that was going through like an identity crisis. I remember looking at this being like, how are you soggy and stale at the same time? And, I remember just kind of nibbling on that and being like, God, just miserable, but way more miserable when they didn't come, they skipped lunch for some reason and they didn't come back with dinner till four or five. And by then I was starving. I was miserable. And I realized don't take anything you have for granted and you've got to die to this whole thing about taste buds. And so Because you're on their schedule, you're just constantly like you feel like out of the loop. And so that's why it doesn't matter how small the meal is or whatever that they're serving you. At some point, you get to a place where you learn to hoard just enough. And you're hoarding for two reasons. One, to just have a little bit more control over your life, right? But you don't want to hoard enough to where you're going to get marked by other guys in there that are saying, Hey, man. You got two sandwiches there man let me get one of those bubble you don't want to be that guy right but then the other thing is that bartering that was one thing that i realized and this happens during every child time because there's always 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 one loud person one person that is going to either start the bartering or the intimidation one of the two and the bartering is just something like when you get your meals and stuff they'll be like they'll just yell it out i got a pb and j for your cookies you know it's always a deep super masculine i got a juice box for pb and j it's like geez man just <laughs> calm down man uh but it was always about the cookies right they always wanted the cookies and so but the bartering would start and then sometimes the bartering would lead to the threats and the threats would be like uh you ain't get my cookies i'll take your cookies and blah 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 but it was more subtle it was actually like somebody would find someone that they would just start targeting. It was usually a white guy or the smallest one or just the person that was shrinking in and trying to be invisible. Those are the ones that drew the most attention and the way of being able to, I guess, intimidate to suggest to let them know, Hey, this is a threat would be something in the lines of you're going to eat that sandwich. Or they And they would do that while they're standing over the person and kind of leaning in. And they would, it was just, they were letting that guy know and everybody's watching. And they'd be like, you need them cookies, right? At that point, you've got to make a decision how you're going to handle that situation. And then that's going to determine the rest of your time. And word's going to go out about how you're going to do your time. So the whole chow thing is just a, it's a psychological warfare that's going on. Anyway. The difference between chow and jail and chow in prison, are it's completely different. Prison is more established. It's got more of a system. A lot of times you're going to be going out of your pod with your group, with, with, your, with everybody in your dorm, and you're going to be going to these cafeteria-style chow lines. And so chow is one of, I, I guess it's like one of four different ways of being able to get food while you're in prison chow is like I said cafeteria style and what they'll do is either you'll take your tray and you'll slide it under the window and they'll put the food on your tray or they'll take the tray and they'll make the food and then give it to you at the end. Now as you're going through you kind of learn what you can ask for a little bit more of that the other inmates don't care and the guards aren't really watching. One of the ones that I knew was beans you could always in grits if it's breakfast you ask for grits extra grits sometimes you can ask for an extra pancake but you know every now and then but it was in um uh, it's always in the first part Most of the, the the good stuff is at the very end and you have the guard that's watching the line at the very end and he's specifically watching the meat source or whatever the the dessert is to make sure that nothing else is going out with that, right? And so, when you're first starting off in the line, I learned early on, I could eat beans all day, and so I would always say, "Hey, can you give me a little bit more beans and a little bit more beans?" Most of the inmates are gonna be like, "Yeah, sure, whatever, man." They don't care because they make enough beans to throw away every single time, and nobody's gonna pay for beans. If it's something that you're gonna pay for, or they can get you to pay for, it, there's no way they're gonna give it away for free unless it's a goodwill hookup and you know we can get into all that later but as you're going through chow that's when you're getting your traditional standard meal and then that's also when the second way that you can get food uh, kicks into play actually it's the third way and that's the uh, underground the black market of prison system when it comes to food the people that control the food that was going in and out. So you might have a guy that's working the line and he's got the main, like he's got the main course. So the hamburger patties, chicken patties, whatever, but he's a part of this group or this gang. So that gang is actually running what is going in and out of that line based on, because they got one of their guys working. So they were always going to get the hookup and there's always a way to get it by the guards. Like it doesn't matter how eagle eye the guards want to be. There's so many distractions and things going on that, an inmate will always find a way to get to make that hustle to get that to them. And if they can't do it in chow, then what they'll do is they'll make arrangements to where like you go over, you sit down, you're eating your meal, and so you have people that are serving the line and then you have guys that are going around doing the cleanup. And then what they'll do is they'll work out like, Hey, send that bag of, you know, chicken patties or send that bag of this or that or whatever to that guy right there or that table or blah, 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 blah whoever that runner is is going to find a way to take that risk to get that to them. And there's this whole elaborate thing going on. Guards are watching, they're looking for this, and every now and then they'll catch them doing something, but 9 times out of 10 they're not catching what's going on. It's actually more than that. It's more like 14 out of 15 times they're not actually catching what's going on. So that's how they're kind of moving food from the kitchen into the inmates' hands so they could have, you know, more available for them the the second way outside of chow and then also outside of the underground black market food system is commissary and i shared with you about commissary and how you kind of go through its, it's it's prison store but you can especially early on in bigger units you may only be going to commissary once every two to three weeks sometimes even a month and so whatever you're buying has to last for that amount of time It's really just to supplement whatever you're not eating at chow. The way all this plays out is that if you have control of, if you have some say in the food that's coming in and out of the kitchen or getting the food in and out of the kitchen, you now have a major power play in your pod, in your dorm, on your unit, and you could get paid some decent coin or soup or stamps or however you want to say it for moving that stuff for them if you have really good commissary then what happens is that you now become a major buyer that the guys that are moving food or moving other things or gambling tickets or whatever that you have a you have more of a say in what's going on because you're a player you're you're a power broker in that sense if you have commissary and money you're actually seen as somebody that has some type of established respect because you have people from the outside that are willing to look out for you and then also you are able to say screw chow i don't want chow i got i can make my own food or in between chows you get to have your meals this is the part where i'm having the hardest time trying to figure out how to explain to you guys how freeing it is to know that you can cook your own meal in between chow times Yes, it's nice to be able to say screw chow. I don't want to go to chow. I'm just gonna make my own thing. But chow's also a very social dynamic. Like when you're being walked out to the, when you're being walked out with your pod, usually you're walking with your friends or people you know. A lot of times it's whites walking with whites, blacks walking with blacks, Mexicans walking with Mexicans, Christians walking with Christians, Muslims walking with Muslims, etc., etc., etc. Now that doesn't mean that you're gonna get to sit with because there's only four people that can sit at a table and chow. So if you're rolling with six people, four of you guys might end up at a table and then two of you guys might end up at another table. So it was one of the times, rare times, when you actually saw whites sitting with blacks, blacks sitting with Mexicans, and yada, yada, yada. In the dorm, that was not allowed. In the dorm, it was almost always like stay in your lane, eat at your appropriate table, or just eat at your bunk. Or you can eat on the bench watching TV, having dinner in a show. But by having control of the food coming in and out of the kitchen and by having control of commissary, you are taking control of the fact that the guards or the system itself cannot hold this over you. And it's not just the when I say the system, it's guards and inmates. Okay, I'm going to cut it off right there. For the sake of time, I go a little bit longer in explaining stories and stuff to kind of explain how all this kind of ties together. This first part is really just about sharing with you how chow, how food breaks down. Like how do we get food in prison and how there can be a monopoly and power structure that's set up because of that. Uh, Later on, I'll actually explain about how that actually gets exploited or can be used for good and for bad uh it's whatever and then also just kind of tie it into how i've seen that reality actually play out today in today's world so uh we'll come back to that in the next episode episode seven but i just want to say thanks for tuning in and we'll close out with that mm-hmm. Thank you guys so much for joining me for this podcast on whatever platform you're choosing. You can find the Prison City Podcast on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher now, as well as the Red Circle Podcast. If you want to throw your support for the show, the three best ways are to subscribe, leave a review, especially if it's five-star, and to share with anyone you think would be interested. Those three things will help me build some organic traction, which is really the best found any comments or tips that you have for me, feel free to share them via the email or the Facebook link that I will be leaving in the description. For all of your support and listening to the show, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. I look forward to the next one. Please remember, stay sane, be positive. Peace.